Welcome to the Mike Newman Show for May 7th, 2022, and be another episode of Breakfast with Dr. Tim, where we sit down, have a little breakfast, and then chat about the events of the week. So grab your own plate amigas, maybe a hot cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. So here we are at our favorite amigas spot. <clears throat> Whatever you choose. Yes. And after a night of one hour sleep and then a very large omelet here, I'm ready to just kind of doze off. So if I, I lean against the microphone here, well, bear with me. I need you, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So the, you know, it's uh, the first wave has moved out of breakfasting. So yeah. parking lot's nice and empty now. Yep. But um, so, how's your week? How's it been? Actually, it's been a couple weeks. It's been a couple been weeks. It's been it's been good. I've uh, uh, there's been ample things going on to think about and uh, read about, and uh, during the week, so I've spent a lot of time reading and thinking. I would imagine. Yep. And uh, yeah, so uh, we talked last time about. Um, I, little in depth about one of the books that you and uh, Scott Guthrie wrote early on and and then uh, if we go to the end of that might as well jump right into it you mm-hmm. wrote this little book it's, it's small but it's it's got an interesting title to it the uh, this is the privacy book yes, yes sir uh, yeah privacy the frontier of the social evolution and very pertinent this week uh, I I promised myself I wasn't going to pick up the draft uh, opinion. The 98 pages. The 98 of, pages. Yeah. I promised myself I was going to wait until it was actually uh, released, but yesterday I gave in and found a copy and pulled it down and have been reading through it. And so it uh, it makes for an interesting time to understand how... Uh, what I've been thinking about and writing about fits into the brave new world that we're, or brave old world that we're entering with, if that uh, opinion turns out to actually be the opinion that gets uh, it published. Gets right. yeah. yeah. It will, it will be interesting. Uh, I had, I had long wondered if the court chose to go after Roe v. Wade how they would do it, mm-hmm. and I must admit they did it with a sledgehammer approach that I really had never anticipated. So, yeah, there's a lot of angles to the whole thing. It was first of all the case that that was made in Mississippi, right? So that right. was the that's how we find ourselves with this before the Supreme Court in the way that it is before the Supreme Court. And uh, and then the whole process of the deliberations that go on between the justices. So I think a lot of people, myself included, um, are learning more about the process of how the Supreme Court normally does its business. Right. And then... So there's there's a couple of interesting aspects. There's the, you know, the the draft majority opinion, which has 
was leaked right. to a to a media outlet, and <clears throat> so that gives us a, a look into the process, one that's relatively unprecedented. So right. there's that, and then there's the as you were saying the the opinion itself, which the fact that it exists right. implies that at least an initial vote was made. And, and that actually, that's that's the start of the interesting aspect to it. And it, 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 in general, as I understand it, uh, once a preliminary vote is taken, so that it's at least fairly clear how uh, a decision is going to to come down, the chief justice assigns a justice to write a a draft opinion for a majority. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, having written that, then other justices can either sign on to that, or they can sign on to the ultimate decision, but write their own opinion. So that's called a concurring opinion. Okay. And if you're, if a justice is opposed to the the ultimate resolution, then they can write a dissenting opinion. And uh, so this is still at the stage where Justice Alito had been selected to write, uh, a, apparently selected to write the draft uh, opinion for the majority. Mm-hmm. But they're still at the stage, as I understand it, where they have not taken a final vote and made the decision about whether the individual justices will sign on to that opinion or if they'll write their own concurring opinion or their own dissenting opinions. So normally this is, um, and maybe you can describe for me a little more about, I guess, how the, if you think of the um, Supreme Court going into session, it's like their baseball season, if you will, and they, <clears throat> there's an agenda of cases that they know are coming before them or they've decided to receive or send back to lower court or, or just do nothing. And um, so right now we're, we're talking, it's the first week of, of May. Check the date, it's actually the 7th of May. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and normally, I, I, if I recall correctly, end of June, it, it's like um, day after day, they sprinkle these out over a week or two. Correct, yes. And. So at that point, the package is complete. They've gone through all of this initial vote, kind of to take the temperature after the case has been made. Like, I think it's pretty soon after the uh, lit- or the the pro and it, you know each side makes their case. Right. Well, they, yeah. They, 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 they schedule oral arguments. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that, that that's essentially a. Uh, uh, situation where both sides sit down and they're questioned mm-hmm. by the justices, and that—that's uh, recognized. Obviously, I'm a total lay person with respect sure. to all of this. Uh, I, I really have no first-hand knowledge of how it works, but I have. Read I'm not enough. trying to put you on the spot. I just yeah, know well, you looked well, into it more than I have. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's that's really where we're at. I, I probably have looked into it a little bit, but yeah, the the uh, the uh, oral arguments. I mm-hmm. as I have listened to a few and, 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 and have read about them. They're, they're interesting in that uh, very often the, the two sides will have 
their prepared presentation that they will often get about 30 seconds into before they're accosted by one of the justices <laughs> that leaps, you know, well down into the depth of the arguments. Right. And from then on, it uh, can be very back and forth. It, it's, it's really where, um, as, as I've just, again, kind of as a very distant bystander, but uh, I, it's kind of a, not a feather in the cap, but it's definitely, you're at the top of your game if you've been the attorney or the, the representative for a case in front of the Supreme Court because you know this is going to happen. Right. Just it's you got to have a plan, but you got to be ready to pivot on any one of your points and address them succinctly and, to the point. And and if you have corroborating case histories or other documentation, you've got to be on top of that and be able to come up with it at a moment's notice. As I understand it, I think you you have to be admitted to the I don't know if it's called the Supreme Court bar, but you have mm. to be admitted to the bullpen or something like to, that to, yeah. to, to be able to, to to actually stand in front of the court and and present a case, and that's quite a feather in the cap of, of, of attorneys, I think, to be able to present a case to the Supreme so Court. So these oral arguments they happened maybe back January. Good, well, just a guess. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. based on the date of the draft that we saw, which was like, I think, February 8th or something like that, yeah. that was at the top of that 98-page draft opinion, or, yeah. Um, so, it's early May, and this came out, or was at least circulated among the justices, maybe late February, depends, whatever. So, they've had it for a couple months, and they've probably done some deliberations, and, and one other thing that I aside from the fact that, yes, this was leaked. Another unique thing that I understand is that the oral arguments, this is the first time that they were accessible live as they were being Correct. done, so that anybody, you know, so it surprised me not so much that because of, I believe it was Justice Kagan said, you know, I, I'm not coming in, I need this to be done on whatever equivalent of Zoom they did. Right. And so everybody got to hear everything. I mean, I would have thought that would have been a little more closed, but again, I could be wrong, but I, I think the idea was anybody could listen in on it. And so... Well, in, in general, as I understand it, people have, at least for quite some time, been able to listen to it, but it generally was recorded, mm. and so you didn't listen to it live. Okay. And I, if, if it was a... If you could, anyone could go in and uh, try to get a seat. Right. Uh, uh, for the... In the, for the gallery. For, yeah, yeah, in the gallery. Uh and obviously, if it's a it's a high-profile case, it gets to be obviously a case of who you know. Those tickets are the, tough to those get. Those tickets are <laughs> tough to get. Yeah, but uh, they they the proceedings were generally not broadcast live, mm. but they were recorded and very released quickly, later. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. After they would be released. Yeah. The the uh, so I, I don't know at what stage. They make the decision, as I say, of whether to sign on to mm -hmm. the majority opinion that was written by one of the justices versus writing their own. And uh, because those, the concurring opinions and dissenting opinions are obviously circulated in draft form because other justices can sign on to those as well. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you read a... a uh, uh, 
decision mm-hmm. on a particular case, it will generally start out saying uh, the the opinion for the majority was written by Justice so and so with these other justices concurring uh, or uh, going. Uh, uh, I, I, What's the word? I say, yeah. yeah, I forget the word, but 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 they, they basically have signed on to that opinion. Mm-hmm. But, but then it will also indicate that another justice wrote a concurring opinion, mm-hmm. and sometimes people will sign on to the concurring opinions as well. Okay. Yeah. And, and so uh, uh, the the uh, Casey the, the Casey one of the cases that uh, uh, was essentially overturned at least within this draft opinion was overturned. Mm-hmm. Along with Roe v. Wade, uh, there were there were uh, I think three or four different sets of opinions, opinions that were written. That were written. At the, was that Casey v. Ferguson? Is that the one? Uh, I believe that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the fact that it was leaked and you know both sides of the issue were ah, it was the other side that leaked this and, yeah. and whatever. So. Setting that aside, it was leaked, right. and we can surmise to the intent of that was to try to sway opinion e- either way in the public and within the court. I would have to imagine that 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 that's I think is certainly arguable that 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 was that was the case. There have been some previous cases. Well, the uh, uh, when the Obamacare case came before the court. Uh, the contention was that uh, Justice Roberts, the Chief Justice, mm-hmm. actually changed his opinion, his vote, if you will, after the uh, original uh, uh, opinion was circulated. Okay. And and so and and that actually changed the majority. Right. So the the positions of the justices can obviously change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite obviously, it would seem to me that that in leaking this, since that seems to be the way business is done in Washington these days, yeah. you you leak for a purpose, and and sometimes, well, I'm sure that both sides have been fundraising off of the leak. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I, 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 I see the... They'll fundraise off of a dropped handkerchief. They right? will. <laughs> I, I, I see the list of emails that I got have gotten every day this week. And We've talked about that in the past. It's like, who writes the headlines for these? Who writes the subject? Like, I got one that just said, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Or, did you hear this? Did you hear this? <laughs> oh, Do you quick, know what they said about... Wait, Where's my credit card? <laughs> please, please let me just sign it blank and you just fill yeah, in the amount I, that you want. You know want. better than I do on all this stuff. So really, just here's my money, man. Here's my money. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the opinion itself, so as I say, I, I promised myself I wasn't going to look into it until the final opinion came out. But you just that didn't couldn't work. help it. I just couldn't help it. Yeah. So I, I, I got into it enough. The, and as I say, I was I was taken aback by them coming out and, and uh, by by Alito coming out and essentially saying Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided, and we're just going to drive a wooden stake in the heart of that sucker. Yeah. And and as a as a physicist, 
I'm very cognizant of the concept of hysteresis. <laughs> and, and, and. That blowback to, is a son of a gun. Yeah, well, the, 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 to paraphrase it, it's, it's, it, it goes a little bit beyond the actual technical definition of hysteresis, but okay. essentially, uh, it, it, my interpretation of it, it says that if I have a complex system in state A and I exert forces on it to drive it to state B, mm-hmm. that in order to get it from state B back to state A, I have to exert yet a different set of forces, simply relaxing the forces that pushed it from A to B or was not sufficient to drive it from B back to A. And that obviously came to mind uh, with respect to that part of the, of the opinion that I've read thus far, in that it's unclear to me how the court actually expects some of these things to be undone. How to get back to... At least if the intent was to get back to right. A. So, for, for example, and it's yeah. just my interpretation of it, but my interpretation of it is that the, the court essentially uh, rendered null and void the, the Ninth Amendment. Mm. That, 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 that they just basically have said that we're never going to use the Ninth Amendment. It just can't be done. Now, the Ninth, Ninth Amendment says that, that regardless of what is presented in the Bill of Rights, there are other rights held uh, and, and uh, held by the people. And so the fact that they don't show up in the Bill of Rights is not, uh, is not the deciding factor. So what has never been decided is how you... How, how within the, the entire system you actually identify a right uh, and, and make it happen. Because there's three levels. There's the individual, there's the state government, right? So the state legislature, which would be the Tenth Amendment, and then you have the, the federal, any rulings that would come from the federal government. It, well, is, is the, that kind of a no? Well, but the the, the ninth the, the ninth and, um, amendment and the tenth amendment are are kind of complementary. Mm. The ninth amendment says that there are rights, fundamental rights, mm-hmm. that exist, and they are held by the people. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're fundamental rights, uh, even though they're not listed, enumerated in the Bill of Rights. Okay, so uh, if you didn't see these anywhere in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right. eight, here's the ninth that says, yeah, there's other, there's other stuff, right. and we haven't listed them because that's why this amendment exists, right. is to cover these other things. Right. And, okay. and so, in the case of Roe v. Wade, the, the court actually identified one of these. It identified a right of privacy. Okay. And so... From my interpretation of it, mm-hmm. essentially, with the announcement of Roe v. Wade, a right of privacy now became an enumerated right. So, mm-hmm. so under the under the Tenth Amendment, the, the the right of privacy now, 
Ninth becomes Amendment. a becomes a fundamental right. So, like under the Ninth Amendment. Under the Ninth yeah. Amendment. Yeah. Uh, it's not enumerated anywhere mm-hmm. in the Constitution, but by virtue of the fact that it's identified and accepted as such by the Supreme Court, it becomes mm-hmm. an enumerated right. Okay. And so the opinion, by essentially vacating Roe v. Wade, takes that away. Mm-hmm. And so it appears that the Supreme Court recognizing a right mm-hmm. under the Ninth Amendment will no longer hold. So that's why I say it essentially negates or... Uh, Takes rend- the power out of the Ninth. Yeah, it just, it just renders it useless. Okay. okay. So that, that's, an interesting, mm-hmm. that's an interesting point. Uh, the, the interesting corollary to that is that are they go, would they do the same thing with the Tenth Amendment? The Tenth Amendment is about power of government, mm-hmm. whereas the Ninth Amendment is about rights of the individual. The Tenth Amendment is about power of government, and it says that if a power is not delegated to the federal government in the Constitution, mm-hmm. then that power is reserved by the states or the people. Yes. Now, it, it doesn't say who gets to make the decision about whether the state gets it or the people get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think the assumption is that always is that the state gets it. But the, so, so these are, these are, these are powers that are not, thank you, powers that are not identified or recognized within the Constitution. So the implication is that new powers can be conjured up out of thin air and the states can exercise those. But if you, if you negate the Ninth Amendment is the intent that you also negate the Tenth Amendment so that no new, no new powers can, can be uh, identified. It seems like we're potentially in a no-man's land. Uh, following the theory that you've laid out of if, if this is, if, you know, we're, we're just assuming, boom, this, if, it, if it continues this way, that the judgment of the court, the opinion of the court, the, the ruling, neuters eliminates the, the utility of the Ninth Amendment, and to your point, just summarizing, the Tenth Amendment could be next. So where you have the federal government now being, I would say, through my entire lifetime, everybody has looked to the federal government. I mean, the federal government, through taxation coercion of highway dollars and everything else, there's, there's the federal government has entrenched itself to be where everybody looks to for one way or another a paycheck, um, you know, <laughs> how much money's left over after uh, taxes, right? So, I mean, this, this, this creeping leviathan of a federal government, a lot of people want things to go a certain way. They elect a certain president for a couple terms, and this other guy comes in, and they're like, oh, you can't do that. Right. And they're like, well, wait, we told you if you put too much power in that position, whether it's in the Supreme Court or the executive, what the heck's going on in the legislature, right? Mm-hmm. So that's been the most silent, well, that's a whole other topic. But to me, 
it's a battle between not now we, we've seen a battle between the three branches of the federal government go on over and over again now with this dynamic of a couple of governors just saying oh yeah and now the federal government they made then very plausible go after the 10th amendment and say well that doesn't really mean what you think it means mm -hmm. and somebody brings a case then to say try to let's say florida right so a case comes before some other state says you know florida can't do that goes before the supreme court we find ourselves with basically states rights getting taken down potentially well or, or what seems to be far more likely is the is the idea that states rights become preeminent that, that essentially be, 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 you, if you say that rights that are identified mm -hmm. are, are in, from my perspective are checks against the power of the state Agreed. both the federal government and state government mm -hmm. if you negate, Literally in the preamble to the Constitution. Yes. If, yes. if you negate the if you negate the the utility of the Ninth Amendment, then you, from my perspective, you remove a check uh, on state power. And if you then read, if you keep the Tenth Amendment in place, then you have a more constrained set of powers present. Or used that can be used by the federal government, mm -hmm. but you leave totally unbounded the powers that states can assume. And so, okay. so to me, the interesting aspect is: Are you opening up the floodgates for states to start assert powers that we thus far have have, have not seen because the end that. that there's no way to check them. Uh, so that, that to me is one of the, the, the interesting aspects of, uh, of this. If, if I try to interpret that, I mean, I, I, under, I think I understand what you're saying there at the high level, just in, an, in a case where one of the, my understandings of the federal government is invited to intervene to protect the rights of the individual if the state infringes upon those. Right, so that's one of the cases that um, would be brought before the state Supreme Court is if a state went rogue and said, y'all need to wear red baseball caps and, well, and, and something that, like that. And that's an interesting case. So from, from my perspective, a state is perfectly willing, uh, perfectly able to do that. They, they can mandate that everybody has to wear a red baseball cap. Mm -hmm. And... I don't see any way to counter that. I, I would have said previously... Two weeks ago, you would weeks, say that it would exist, existed, but it, now yeah, you two see weeks, signs two, that that would go away. Right. Two weeks ago, I would have said, oh, that obviously infringes personal privacy. Okay. And therefore, if I have a state law that says everybody has to wear a red cap, mm -hmm. that infringes privacy, uh, personal privacy, and therefore, whether or not the state can mandate that would be decided by the Supreme Court of the United States, not by state court, mm -hmm. because it infringes a constitutional right, and that the Supreme Court would address that through the application of strict scrutiny mm -hmm. to say, okay, first of all, 
is there a compelling interest on the part of the state for everybody to wear a red cap? Right. And if there's not, and, and, and by and large, under strict scrutiny, the, the, the general assumption is that the power is not constitutional, yeah. and it's on the it's it becomes or it behooves the state to prove that it is mm-hmm. constitutional by proving that there is a compelling interest that the Supreme Court will, will buy off on. Gotcha. But if you've removed the entire concept of a right of privacy, mm-hmm. then. Uh, Making everybody wear a red cap seems to be perfectly plausible. Right. Now that that's that's the that's the interesting aspect of it. The to me the more profound aspect of it is essentially saying a state making a, a rule a, a law that says we're going to give you these aptitude tests, and if you score this much, you're going to work in this area. And if you score this much, you're going to work in that area. Right. And I don't see a way to combat that. Okay. That's what I. So what I see this doing is opening so you up. You see a Pandora's box getting just oh, I just, popped I, wide I, I just see it, see it, see it being a a, a a totally unfettered application of state power. Okay. And and I know that if you look across the nation, lots of states look at the world very differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that they so one previously the, yeah. previously I would have argued that 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 uh, under a right of privacy the conduct of elections for example is mm-hmm. constrained by the fact that under a right of privacy people have a right to exert or voice their opinion. And to be able to do so in a trustworthy fashion. Exactly, and and this is a to our listeners. This is <laughs> hi mom. Uh, anyway, um, the that is one of the topics that we've discussed a lot over the last couple of years right. is a trustworthy voting system. Correct. And how it's incredibly important to yes know how many valid ballots are able to be approved or certified for any jurisdiction. You need to know that ahead of time. Those are your roles. You need to know the person that shows up to vote is the person that is authorized to to cast that vote, but that you separate that, that you don't know that it was Tim or Mike who actually tapped the buttons on the screen for that ballot but then you're able to scan that ballot, for example, in whatever way it is, human or otherwise, to count that ballot, and there's that separation, there's an air gap there. What I hear you saying is now, potentially, there could be all this other stuff laid on top of it that totally takes that air gap away. Well, well it, historically, states have been responsible for elections. Mm-hmm. What I see this affirming is that States are absolutely responsible for elections, and therefore, to, 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 to leap to the conclusion, if I look at California and Oregon, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that they've had a trustworthy election in quite a few election cycles. Mm-hmm. But now, 
under under this ruling without a right of privacy to counterbalance that and to allow the federal or allow one to sue in federal court i don't see any way that you can address that other than strictly through the state courts right so there could never be a, a challenge by a challenge to a higher authority to say that the state didn't carry out its elections right. in, if in the a, state in a, if the state is happy and the state courts are happy then that's the way it's going to work right and there's there's no there's no counter to that uh, that I see. So I see that as the, uh, <laughs> we just talk and we go down bunny trails and whatever. So um, there's been a, and we can talk about anything else. But what this thing brings in my mind is the electoral college. So that would then behoove all the states. Maybe not all the states, maybe not North Dakota or South Dakota, but the bigger states, if they were intending on putting their finger on a scale, if you will, on the number of votes cast, and you know, those, are, those are all good votes, trust us, we're, we're the state of fill-in-the-blank. And if you turn it into a uh, majority, purely majority, then, then you have all of these other states that may have trustworthy voting systems, but they don't have the numbers to counteract a Texas or a California or a New York or a Florida, just, just to name the big four, then they're, in a sense, some would argue, no, no, they're not disenfranchised. Well, they are in general, because yeah. you swing a city, that could trump a couple states. Well, it's 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 an interesting perspective. I've, I've, I've as we've talked, I've I characterize the political spectrum mm -hmm. not as being between conservative and liberal, if you will, or conservative and progressive, but between individualist and and uh, collectivist. Collectivist. Yeah. And the opinion, as I've glanced at it, appears to me to be a total victory for the collectivist perspective. So by, by, by completely renouncing Roe v. Wade and completely renouncing the, the entire idea that, that you can have a right of privacy and essentially saying that if the Supreme Court identifies a right a new right that's not enumerated, it now still becomes a right, which is what they did with the right of privacy. If you say that, that no, that can be undone by another Supreme Court opinion, mm -hmm. then essentially the Ninth Amendment goes away, and you're, you're left, from, from my perspective, with essentially no check on the democratic process, which says, which is, which is, purely a collectivist uh, approach. And so the, 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 what, what I see this doing is, is setting in, 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 in works a path towards greater collectivism mm -hmm. centered within states, mm -hmm. but obviously going to find its way into the federal government even more than it already is. Because there's, I, I, I don't see any check against right. it. Right. Huh. 
So it, it's it's and it's not what I would have would have expected, and I guess why I was taken I was taken aback by it was the directness I, of the yeah yeah it's, I mean the, it, the it, ruling it, it, or but it, but well, or it, it literally was a was 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 a a a, a wooden stake in the heart mm-hmm. of Roe v. Wade. It wasn't we're going to manipulate it. it. Like, we're going to we're not going to tweak it a little bit. Yeah, it's we're going to we're going to pretend that it never existed. Thank you. And in doing that, as I say, uh, the, the, the environment right now is different than it was in 1973. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so the, the issue is, from the court's perspective, it looks like they would anticipate if you do away with it, then you're resetting to 1973. But I know that the social world is different now than it was then. So in 1973, I was learning, I still had three wheels on my bicycle and didn't know any of this stuff was going on. What, and we've talked again about generational changes. So in, in my observation, uh, the, the world, um, you know, just, we're on a trajectory. There's like a broad trajectory of increasing knowledge um i wouldn't say increasing wisdom (laughs) but there is increasing we we know more things we know more things in science we know more things uh well we know more things in science i'll just go with that all right but 50 years on but we still have generational cycles and, and, you, and we've discussed before this pendulum swing between collectivism and individualism. So would it be fair to say that there was kind of a collectivist movement in the late 60s, early 70s, the hippie movement? You know, that, was that kind of related to collectivist? And then the Reagan years, we, we slung, you know, to... Uh, what was Michael J. Fox's character? You know, the individualist. You know, through. Well, are we back to collectivism now? Is is that kind of part of what we're seeing going on? This sine wave. Well, my, but yes, I, I think it is. But but from, from my perspective, it, it's it's interesting where the where the, the forces have come from mm-hmm. to, to swing the pendulum. I have always viewed that, and maybe I have. A, a, a completely counter uh, opinion, but I've always viewed Roe v. Wade as being an incredibly individualist opinion, and it it attempts to address the dichotomy between individualism and collectivism. It it it, it literally tries to address it at at its most basic element, which is that between mother and child, if you will. Uh, A mother is an individual, a child is an individual, a mother and child is a collective. And uh, uh, so Roe v. Wade attempted to look at policy, state policy, down at that level. If you do away with that, then entirely, if you do away with the, the, the concept of a right of privacy, then you're doing away with one of the great, probably the great bulwark of individualism 
in, in uh, society. And so you're left with an environment where it would seem to me that collectivism is going to reign supreme. And I don't see any, I don't see any way to check that. Mm. And so there's, there's going to be, uh, we're already, we're already seeing it from the, from the perspective of uh, uh, just on the basis of the draft opinion, a mm -hmm. uh, couple of Texas state legislator or a Texas state legislator announced uh, that he would, he would be filing a bill to penalize any private company that provided transportation support for a woman to go to a state that allowed abortion to have an abortion. So the, the, the idea is that, that not only will, are we going to forbid abortion, but we're not going to allow anyone from our state to get support to go somewhere else. Uh, but, but, so the point being that if you feed this idea that the state can, can call the shots, it's not going to take very long, but, but without being really constrained, sure. then it's not going to be very long before you, you burst out of this, this closed concept of, 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 of abortion or procreation, mm -hmm. and you start to address oh, other yeah. areas. And that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great, that, that to me, the, the great bulwark against that, uh, the great bulwark of individualism was the right of privacy. But as I see it now, there is no path to creating a right of privacy because the, this opinion seems to negate the concept of a new right being recognized under the Ninth under Amendment. The ninth. Yeah. Because it has, it has been recognized just as blatantly as you can recognize it. And so what I, in reading what, what bit I've read within the draft opinion, I don't see any pathway uh, recognize any pathway to recognize a new right. The Ninth Amendment says that they exist, but there's no way to to call one and to 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 to, to recognize one. So another art. Well, we have a process to amend the Constitution, and that's been done several times over the last hundred years or so. Um, so we know it's not impossible. So that would have been one way, for example, to basically create a standalone amendment rather right, than but, relying but on the you, ninth. But then, but then you don't need the ninth amendment. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so I'm, I'm just look, thinking through the mechanisms and right. and what's available. Well, and, and so the, the the ninth amendment seems to imply that they exist, mm. and and that once you recognize them, then under the ninth amendment. They become essentially enumerated. They they have the same standing as the rights of the First Amendment and the Fifth Amendment. Just as if you'd gone through the whole amendment process. Right, right, or or, or gone through. Yes, right. So, that, and and the thing I find fascinating about the opinion, it it, it seems to say, you know, nowhere, nowhere uh, is a is a right of privacy uh, recognized. And and I'm I make the observation that that to be the most blatant example of 
starting to talk about the vestiges, at least, of a, of a, of a right of privacy is found in the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. In the opening phrase, we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, rights that cannot be taken away from us. Moreover, they're self-evident. Mm-hmm. Okay, but these are the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, Roe v. Wade could have readily been written not recognizing the right of privacy, but recognizing the right of liberty. Okay, as ex- expressed in the Declaration of Independence. You come to the you can come to the same point. The right of liberty would essentially say I can do anything that I want, and the right of uh, pursuit of happiness says I can do anything I want because it makes me happy, and that's all I have to say about it. And that's a that's an that's a that's a that's a right guaranteed to me by the Constitution, and that seems to have gone away, and I and I find it interesting that. The opinion says we, we don't see any way where a right of privacy could come into being, and yet the Declaration of Independence says it's there and it's self-evident. We 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 believe that it's self-evident. So yeah, it's an and, interesting interesting situation. And I wasn't saying it this way to set you up. You and I disagree on. Kind of a, the, a little bit, but I think the yeah, interesting thing, for the, yeah. for, for the most part, we, have, we haven't even touched on the, the topic yeah. of abortion. Well, and, and, and which, which yeah. from my perspective, is the way this should be. Mm. Okay? And, and the, 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 I, I was struck by, in the, the opinion, uh, Alito's opinion, uh, Justice Alito's opinion, I should mm-hmm. always be respectful. Yeah. Uh, but I was struck by the fact that there was essentially no discussion of right of privacy, and it was always a right of abortion. Mm-hmm. And the Roe v. Wade doesn't assert the right of abortion. It asserts a right of privacy, and it says that a woman's right to have an abortion is certainly falls within her right of privacy. Mm-hmm. And therefore, whether or not that right can be infringed, because all rights can be infringed, mm-hmm. If, under strict scrutiny, you pass the tests. So, so the, the, the straightforward way to address abortion alone without striking down Roe v. Wade entirely is to say we have to address the concept of compelling interest. Mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade establishes a three, establishes three ranges uh, where the compelling interest of preventing abortion uh, can be argued by the state. And it does uh, that on the basis of the three trimesters of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So during the first trimester, it it holds that there is no compelling interest on the part of the state to regulate abortion, period. It says during the second trimester, you may regulate abortion based on Uh, on the health of the mother, the third trimester, uh, you could regulate abortion based on the health of the mother and the preservation or addressing of potential life, Mm -hmm. the way they characterize it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that all, whether or not one can have an abortion uh, is 
an artifact of an assertion of personal privacy. Mm. And to infringe a right of personal privacy, you have to look at it under strict scrutiny. I find it interesting that the Mississippi law that was being addressed by this opinion, right. in the Mississippi law, the, the filing on the part of the state of Mississippi in addressing this claims that the law only has to be uh, uh, examined under the, the, uh, under the rule of logical, something logical, uh, well, I forget the term, but it, it's, a, it's a much lower, lower level of scrutiny than strict scrutiny. Okay. Okay, it, 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 it just says that it has to make sense. You know, if, if you can make a logical argument for it, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 the state of Mississippi argued that that was the, that was the uh, examination, the criteria for examination that ought to be applied to the law, not strict scrutiny. And, and so that's a much... It's a much more forceful uh, repudiation right. of, of uh, not just the fact that the state can limit abortion, can abridge abortion, but we're going to, we, we the Supreme Court, we're going to remove any framework under which that can be challenged because if you cannot have a right of personal privacy, it's not clear that there's any other way that you can address that. And so that takes us back then, uh, it, 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 if, if, if the intent is that takes us back to 1973, mm-hmm. certainly uh, a, an interesting aspect of laws, about the challenging of laws against uh, 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 limits of, of abortion generally always failed up to that point because by the time you move a case through the legal system, a woman will always have had a child. It takes more than nine months to move yeah. the case through the legal system. It seems to me that we're back to that point again. Then. Mm-hmm. So, so not only has the, has the uh, framework for challenging the law under a right of privacy been removed, mm-hmm. but you put it back to the point that there's no way that essentially any case, any argument against it is going to be a moot case because... Because the... Yeah, time yeah. will move on, and, That's and, right. and there's a child. Yeah, that, and, and, there, and there's no there's no standing for anyone else to address that. An, an interesting thing from from the perspective of challenging the law under strict scrutiny, I've observed is that anyone should, if if if, if a law infringes a right of personal privacy, then anyone whose personal privacy is potentially infringed by that law should have standing to bring suit against it. On the other hand, if you go back to the way it was in 1973, as I understand it, you pretty much had to be a pregnant woman mm-hmm. in order to challenge the law. And mm-hmm. before the law could move through the legal system, exactly. you're going to have had your child. Yeah, so. and, and nothing's gotten faster about that yeah. in, in 50 years either. Right. So, yeah, it, it uh, I mean, I just also, I mean, just stepping back from it a bit is so many things have come to a focus a bright light on so many different things just the last two years right <laughs> i mean we, we were talking about ukraine and 
you know, just while we were eating breakfast earlier, um, we've got politicians talking about open warfare with Russia. Nuclear warfare. <laughs> I know. Uh, it just it boggles your mind that, 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 you know, people seem to be talking about that uh, in, in some kind of, like, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a rational approach. You it know? might be a bright light, you know. Yeah. We might lose some chickens. Don't I, look I don't at know. it. <laughs> yeah, just don't look at it. It's fine. You know, remember the duck and cover? Yeah, we're going to do that again. Perhaps more than anything that, I, that, that has surprised me about this, this opinion that, uh, that we've been talking about is that it came from ostensibly a long-sought conservative majority on the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. where it does, I think, arguably greatly advance the whole concept of, of collectivism, and that's... That, that's not the direction yeah. I would have expected and, that to come from. Well, that, that's another thing I see as well is I hear, it, uh, I, I hear an official talking from DHS about disinformation. They're going to set up a forum on that. And then I see, and I'm like, wait, okay. Um, <laughs> now I have Rand Paul cross-examining him exactly as if I were good at that, that's how I would do it. Well, certainly, yes. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like if, if, I'm, if, I, if, I, if we're talking on the radio, we obviously both sound like James Earl Jones. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, we, we've got filters for that. That's right. And, right. and, and when, I'm, when, <laughs> when, when I'm singing in the shower, I, I'm not quite sure which of the artists I sound like, but it's one of them. And when I'm sitting on the couch reading an article about a new ministry of truth, I have thoughts in my mind that are in alignment with what Senator Paul said. Absolutely. But I could never get him to come out of my mouth like that. Yep. So, and yet, there's a whole bunch of people. Where I was going with that is, white is not black, black is not white anymore. Or, or wait, I'm being told that black is white and white is black. Yep. And that opens a whole other can of worms that I didn't intend to. But literally just presence of light, absence of light. Uh, we're and, and just to kind of wrap this up because we've been rocking and rolling for <laughs> it was great fun I know it was <laughs> uh, it, it, and this is <clears throat> anyway um, this is what I'd hoped this, this has been a good a good breakfast with Dr. Yeah. Tim so um, I well it'll, it'll be interesting to pursue this further when the yeah. actual opinion comes out and, exactly. and, and, and I've actually read it or we've both actually read it in mm-hmm. greater detail so that, that I'm not I'm not espousing first my first thoughts about what what I think it says when when I read it, you know, maybe looking at it in more detail it'll it'll be appear different. So. We've all been invited into the cloakroom of the uh, Supreme Court, whether we wanted to be there or not, right. by the leaking of this. And so we just had the opportunity to hear junior non-justice about <laughs> Dr. Tim uh, elucidate on what this could mean. His nonsensical opinion of what this yeah, may all be. Yeah. You know, there, there might be a paper written later. I, well, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, that's, that's one of the... That's one of the nice the aspects of the individualist end of the spectrum is that we're, we're free to say what we want. Right? Yep. And... and uh, Whereas the, you get closer to the collectivist end, and you, you got to be careful about exactly. what you say because you don't want to bring discredit on the collective. Yeah, 
and we've seen how that mechanism is engaged. Uh, again, a whole other, <laughs> another breakfast run of how does that look, right? Yep. When you centralize so much power and people are generally comfortable thinking that it won't apply to them and then they wake up one morning and find out, oh wait, I was down for the struggle, man. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and, and you get people like me that think, well, okay, what's at stake is this, mm-hmm. and here are the boundaries of what's at stake. And yeah. then you realize that when it actually happens, is no, it wasn't that that was at stake. It was all of this, and I'm taken aback that oh, I didn't. I didn't quite anticipate having to and this is defend how, that. And this is how we never end up stopping our discussion because we were talking, a few weeks ago, we were talking about, hey, um, you do know if you do this, it leads to this, which then could lead to this, and I know you don't want to end up there. Right. But that's the first step. That's the, that's the switch in the rail yeah. that it looks like the same train track you were just on to you, but you got to know that turn always turns this way. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, there are so many things that are untethered in my mind of the ability to have a discussion as opposed to, no, this is, this is what's good and right and true, even though it isn't. There are so many things that are untethered, and I, I have this sense that many of our institutions are running around cutting cords, mm-hmm. make it even more untethered. So yep. uh, it's hard to say. Well, Tim, it's probably been a pleasure. Time to, probably time to talk, stop. Yeah, we'll hit the hit the old pause button, and cool. thanks again. Enjoyed it. And that's a wrap on episode three of the Mike Newman Show. Another enjoyable, at least for me, uh, breakfast with Dr. Tim on uh, one of our Saturday mornings here today. Um, Thanks for joining, and um, feel free to send a little cashola our way. You know, got to ask. Not so much I'm looking to really make money on this, but uh, it does take a little bit of equipment to uh, bring this to you and some of the services I use for publishing the... um, uh, the files to make them available on a server and to do the transcript uh, and, and so forth. Um, it, it's a labor of love. I enjoy it. And one of the, one of the main reasons I got into this uh, podcasting adventure is uh, what's going on over at uh, the podcastindex.org and podcasting with podcasting 2.0. Uh, basically, what, is, what the team over there is doing is developing the next generation standard, uh, it's podcasting 2.0, uh, to bring new value both to podcasters and listeners and podcast application developers. And one of the ways of doing that is not publishing exclusively through iTunes or um, uh, Spotify. So you have probably found uh, this show through a link to the podcast index page for this podcast. And that is of that that whole system is brought to you by a um, a method of value for value uh, compensation. Uh, whatever value you feel you may have uh, received through listening through the podcast or checking out through some of the books referenced here, you know Tim's books or other um, 
uh, you know, links, information that, that you may have picked up along the way, uh, just shoot some value back to us. If nothing else, it, it lets us know, um, Tim and I, how, uh, how you found the show, how you found it interesting, and uh, some areas for improvements or things you might like us to speak to in the future. Um, best place to, you may be listening to this just on the player on podcastindex.org, the, the embedded player in the, in the webpage, and that's great, but I'd encourage you to go check out newpodcastapps.com, and that will link you into another place within the index that shows podcast player applications that you can download for uh, Apple and Android, and, or iOS and Android, and those apps are making uh, use of some of the new technology and the new tags uh, in the in the new podcasting uh, podcast standards. Things like chapters, um, the value tag. Um, some apps you'll will set you up on the ability to send uh, satoshis to the producers of this. And if you look deeper under the covers, you'll see there's splits in there, so that you're not just sending satoshis back to uh, myself as the uh, producer and uh, primary keeper of this podcast, but also to others who have contributed value to this through the tools they developed, uh, such as uh, Stephen B., the developer of uh, what I use is Sovereign Feeds to generate the uh, data that is used by the players and the index uh, to make this podcast available to all the different applications out there. And those applications... Um, Someday we'll get the splits set up for them appropriately, um, and they will get uh, a value for you having listened to this uh, podcast. You set the values of Satoshis that you would send, and also you can send something called a boostergram. And a boostergram, uh, maybe not the boost parts to it, uh, terribly obvious, but the gram part, it's like, a, it's like a telegram. You can send a message through a new podcast app that you have set up with a wallet, uh, a listener wallet in there, um, Different, different apps can do that. Uh, for example, there's the Breeze uh, payment application that will allow you to set up your own Satoshi wallet. Uh, also Fountain and others. Uh, you'll see those uh, fountain.fm is, is the application I'm talking about there, where you can send a message with a, a few Satoshis along the way. Uh, that will land on my uh, lightning node here, and I can see the message on the screen. And uh, someday uh, another Podcasting 2.0 uh, piece of technology is is a live tag where we could uh, Tim and I could be broadcasting live uh, from the restaurant and see your messages coming in in, in real time. Well, baby steps, we'll get there someday. So uh, thanks again for joining. Um, look forward to the next episode, and y'all have a great week. Bye for now. <laughs>